Welcome to another episode of Are We Rolling? I'm Kyle. I'm Dustin. And we've got a special guest this week, uh, fresh off a CZW debut and being generally awesome, Cody Rice. Congratulations on your CZW debut, Dustin. Thanks. You know, I really worked hard. No, I was just, just kidding, man. That's I me. tried I to wrestled, start this whole Twitter campaign. CZW. Went really well for me. That was, that was me. Got like 100 retweets. No, probably a few more than that. It wasn't you. <laughs> Yeah, like, you've got to kind of get into the whole story of how that happened. Uh, the whole story, that's a long, well, I mean, well, it's not really a long story. It's, no, um, that's never ending. Ooh, wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, CZW put out a tweet uh, plugging their uh, their pre-show uh, Ultimate Opportunity Coin Scramble match, and uh, I saw it, and uh, I thought, well, this is one of those goofy things that promotions do to get stupid indie workers to uh, plug their show and they're not actually going to book anyone off of it uh, but then I also thought hey I really want to wrestle for CZW it's been a goal of mine for a long time so what's uh, what's one tweet going to hurt yep. and uh, I threw a tweet out there and it was uh, you know it was pretty heartfelt and pretty serious and uh, you know people read it and, and got behind it and that was pretty cool to, to see people support me like that um, with CZW being such a big goal and a big dream of mine for such a long time, uh, to get that support meant uh, meant a ton to me. And you know, eventually, I found out that they, uh, you know, whether it was the original plan or not, the uh, the amount of uh, support I got was pretty overwhelming, and they kind of had to book me at that point. So yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you had. Yeah, we joked about the hundred some odd retweets and stuff, but yeah, you had pretty much quadruple the next place guy eh? so it was like okay yeah the, we can't make this seem legit and then not get this guy on here yeah like my numbers were so far ahead of everyone else's that it was almost like if they didn't do it they'd like if it was originally the plan just to be like hey let's get people to retweet this yeah like cool but my numbers were so Ridiculous that like if they didn't book me, everyone would see right through it, and they'd never be able to try it again. Yep, exactly. So, so they had to kind of give me a chance, which was pretty cool, and uh, yeah, led to a pretty fun time. Yeah, because where where was Cage of Death this year? Actually, uh, Cage of Death was in Sewell, New Jersey. Okay, so uh, just a little bit outside Philadelphia. Um, I actually, uh, you know, because it was so last minute. Yeah. Um, figuring out how to get out there and travel and stuff like that um you know initially i planned on driving yeah. and uh looked that up and it was a, it was a 20 hour drive which i mean whatever like we do some pretty long drives regularly anyways yeah you know iw mid-south an 11 hour drive you know fully loaded eight ten hours sometimes it, 20 hours is doable um yeah. yeah especially the original plan you had was like okay Somebody else hop in the car. We'll trade off driving. You know, yeah, like like I could have got one or two people to come with, and it would have been it would have been one hundred percent doable. Um, but then I kind of looked up uh, uh, cost wise, and you know something you don't really think about is is tolls. Oh yeah, and, yeah especially uh, around this area. Yeah, because we don't have tolls here. No. Um, but looking that up, and I found out it would be, you know, a hundred dollars in tolls each way. Uh, to run the the fastest route out there, and 
I could go a route that would be two hours longer, but it would still have been $50 each way in tolls. So just that plus gas, the cost was so ridiculous to yeah. drive. Um, you know, I found a flight for, you know, less than what it would have cost me to drive and okay. save myself 20 hours on the road. I flew into, uh, flew into Baltimore and, uh, and rented a car there and drove to, uh, drove to Jersey. Yeah. And then, and then you had to actually wrestle. So that was, uh, yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, we're used to travel and then, yeah. you know, long drives or whatever and, and, and getting out and wrestling. Wrestling is the easy part, you know? Yeah. Uh, of being a professional wrestler. <laughs> um, yeah, you get used to that, I just Like, wrestling wrestling's the easy part, and I mean that. Like, it sounds stupid, but, you know, we do this so much, and it's what we prepare for, and it's what, you know, what we know. But, you know, having to get into that mindset after, uh, after the, you know, a long night, and then flying in early in the morning, and then driving a couple hours to get there, or after a 10-hour car ride, like, that's the hard part. Yeah. Um, but it was it was such a cool opportunity and something I was uh, you know really excited for regardless so that was not too much of an issue sweet yeah because we we've kind of talked on this podcast it's it's funny how we've kind of all spurn off different ways on like what wrestling we started to enjoy and get into like post attitude era you know when wcw and ecw who you know went out of business like dustin kind of went more like ring of honor than other indies i went Mm -hmm. ring of honor and then japan and you kind of just started like czw big time yeah that's my stuff really um for whatever reason uh, the deathmatch style really appealed to me, um, and I, I I don't know what it was. There's like a local company that ran shows that I went to a couple times, and then there was a guy who sold tapes. And for some reason, I, I don't know what piqued my interest, but I I bought the uh, the first tournament of death, and, and like my my tweet said about the the campaign to get in, like that was my first indie tape. That was the first okay. like non-local indie show I ever saw. And, you know, I think the Attitude Era, like, I was a huge Mick Foley fan. Yeah. So, like, reading his books and, like, seeing the stuff he went through and his stuff with Terry Funk and, like, that hardcore style already kind of appealed to me. But then to see it on an independent level was, like, blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, you know, early 2000s, whatever, like, that, that hardcore style. Like, there weren't a ton of guys who were good wrestlers doing the hardcore style. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there were a lot of characters and there were a lot of, a lot of interesting people, but there weren't like good wrestlers really, but not like yeah, as it was a, few and far between as that's, as that's evolved, like there's a ridiculous amount of like good workers who do deathmatch work. And that's yeah. kind of cool to see. Yeah. Uh, Cause by, I think part of, especially just watching the like Nick Mondo documentary, like part of why he connected not only was the character, but you could tell he was actually a pretty good wrestler as well. Yeah, Mondo was that guy who really stood out to me too. Yeah. He was that first guy that was like, like I saw him do the assault driver off the off the the U-Haul van yeah, or off yeah, the yeah. off the rider truck. Yeah. You know, he took the, his match with uh, uh, with the Messiah in the second round, and in the finals taking that weed whacker shot. Like, 
that just blew my mind. Like I could not believe that there are guys putting themselves through this, yeah. you know, for, for entertainment as ridiculous as it is. Um, but I loved it. I was hooked, man. And, and Nick Mondo was a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fast forwarding to, to now, how, how did the match end up going and like the experience, like once you were there? Uh, so that's, that's tricky. Uh, the match was a little, uh, I don't want to say disappointing because I, I did have a lot of fun and I thought it was a, a fun match. Um, it was a little hectic when we got yeah. there. Um, well, it was like six-man kind of scramble. It was a six-man scramble, yeah. absolutely. And uh, so they added a couple guys and uh, a couple guy, or a guy who was originally supposed to be in it got moved to another match because of a no-show. And uh, it ended up being like an eight-man scramble, um, which... You know, one-on-one match, pretty normal. Yeah. A four-way, kind of weird. Six-man is okay, but once you start getting more than six guys in a match, once you get to the point where you can't have two guys in the ring and one guy in each corner, you have more people than that, Yeah, it gets a little a little clustery. Yeah. Um, but I think we, uh, we took what we had, especially for when we found everything out and how much time we had um, to prepare for that, made, uh, made the best out of it, and had ourselves a fun little uh, fun little match to open the show. Yeah, nice. So. And you got to bust out your standing moonsault. Yeah, that was uh, like kind of a goal of mine for the year was to to learn how to moonsault. But it turns out that I'm absolutely terrified of the top rope. <laughs> so uh, so I've realized pretty quickly that that was not going to happen. Um, I have a real hard time even standing up. Like I'll take a superplex or like oh someone give me a flare bump off the top. Like that's cool. But yeah. I cannot stand on the top rope. It terrifies me. Uh, so I realized that wasn't going to happen pretty quickly. Um, but, uh, you know, shout out to uh, to the Academy, uh, uh, Ken and Davari, uh, for opening up their open gym in November for, uh, for anyone. Yeah. Uh, spent a lot of time there and, uh, you know, had the ring time and just the, the resources to uh, to figure out how to do a standing moonsault, which is kind of cool. It's a... It's very Terry Funkish. It's a little crooked. Yeah, I, I saw I saw the gif and but, like the uh, videos and was like, it's uh, not a perfect moonsault, but you know, for a, a moonsault, you know, three hundred fifty so. pound guy probably shouldn't be doing a perfect moonsault anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. it's still a big spot. Yeah. regardless with yeah. a guy your size, because like a guy like I don't know, like Airwolf doing that, it's like, well, that makes sense. But a guy like you doing it, it's like, holy shit, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that's that's kind of the idea behind it, and that's. You know, like I had, I had Airwolf kind of teaching me, like how to, how to get over my fear of going backwards and, yeah. and getting getting over. And then uh, Stephen Wolf helped me too, um, and just the big thing was getting the positioning, and then getting to a point where I could just let myself go and not worry about getting over. And even a little crooked, I still think it looks pretty cool. And yeah, it did. Yeah, it got a, got a nice cool. little reaction. Yeah, and it's it's funny that I'm sitting next to a guy who's slightly afraid of the top rope and guy who's slightly afraid of doing a moonsault i'm not slightly afraid i'm horrified i've i've had i had a really bad experience when i used to backflip all the time on like trampolines and stuff then you know you lose your footing or you your aim is off and i went like head first into the springs and the rail and then i could never do it again that sounds terrifying it Sucked. So like really I, you bad. know, I landed kind of on my head a little bit a couple of times working it out doing my standing moon salt, but like mm. you know, let's do it with crash pads and stuff. We just fine. I'll, I'll maybe get it back eventually. We'll see. Probably you know, not. 
I'm very comfortable doing front flips off the top. That works out pretty well. So yeah, it's true. What are you shaking your head about? I'm that they can't see me shaking my head. It's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was perfectly stationary. Yeah. Right. We're, we're almost too blunt on this podcast usually. So <laughs> I guess. Cody shakes his head at me all the time. Pretty much anytime, any I, speak. time I see him. Yeah. And then, like after he does it like six or seven times in a row, he'd be like, "You know, I love you, man." Well, I mean, like that's not true. I just say it to make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got, I got to baby face you a little bit. Right. Little, very little. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cody, like, went, uh, kind of tell a little bit to the people that don't know you that well. Like, how did you get into like wrestling in Minnesota? Ooh, that's a that's a fun one. Um, so when I moved here from Wisconsin, I had pretty much come to terms with the idea that my wrestling career, in finger quotes, uh, or my wrestling endeavors, uh, had come to an end for the most part. I, uh, you know, my three years in Wisconsin, I kind of got sick of the politics and didn't want to deal with it anymore. And and moving here, um, I had a lot going on. Uh, with my personal life and just kind of decided to put things on the back burner and and ride into the sunset as it were um, but after a couple of years I had a friend who was going to shows and uh, they were pretty local to me I, you know the the primetime shows in Bloomington are maybe five minutes from my house okay so he's like hey just come check out a show and I went and got the I uh, got the itch again <laughs> and uh, ended up talking to uh talking to Greg the magic man a few times and he had me sell tickets and hang out and help put the ring and then one day we set up the ring on a Thursday and uh, we bumped around a little bit he gave me a couple of hip tosses and I kept up and he lost his mind oh, really? and like as soon as I kept up he lost his mind and I was on like every primetime show after that yeah so yeah cause you ended up being champ for a little bit though didn't you yeah for a little while um you know, I had my first little run of prime time there, and uh, I had a lot of fun. It was cool to get back in the ring. It gave me the opportunity to uh, to really run with the Husky Heartthrob character, which is something that I came up with in my time off from wrestling. Okay. Um, yeah, I was gonna say like I don't I don't know if you yeah that was that was not that was I used to be the K Train, okay, which was like not a character at all, but just a nickname and you know fresh out of wrestling school, you know babyface and. Uh, you know, the Husky Heart Drive just kind of came to me one night working at uh, working overnights, and I kind of threw it out there to a couple of people, and I was like, "Hey, like, what do you think of this? Is this cool?" And uh, it was just a name at that point, you know. Yeah. And then being able to work for prime time, I kind of was able to flesh it out a little bit, and it, you know, started out just uh, you know, just trunks and a and a vest, and then I got the bow tie, and I only wore the bow tie during the entrances, and then I started wearing it during the matches, and then I watched. SummerSlam 94 and I saw Barry Horowitz and I started wearing suspenders and like the whole thing I, just kind, I of kind of together. I kind of assumed that's where it came oh, yeah, from absolutely yeah. Barry Horowitz and uh, it just came together man and primetime gave me a chance to run with it had a good little run there and then you know had some issues with Greg and stopped working for him for a while mm. and maybe six months eight months later he asked me to come back and he, uh, he put his championship on me and had a, had a nice little run, some fun matches with uh, with John Johnson, 
you know, my first one in primetime working with Black Stallion, he was kind of the first guy in Minnesota to really kind of give me that rub, you know, like oh, put, yeah. a, put a stamp on me. I worked with Stallion a bunch. Yeah. And he was the first guy to really like put me over and and kind of be like, hey, this kid's okay. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Yeah, no, it, it's funny, like even with Dustin, like Stallion's, again, one of those like influential guys that mm-hmm. doesn't get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like as soon as, like he gives his your stamp his stamp of approval. It's like okay, yeah, this guy's okay. This guy's good. Yeah, like I knew, you know, there are a handful of guys that I knew, you know, when I moved here, like Cannon and Corbett and Cruz. Like I've known those guys forever. Yeah, because my trainer would book them. So I've known them since I started wrestling. I've known them twelve years. But like Stallion was one. Like you know, those guys didn't work part time regularly when I started. Okay. So I became really good friends with uh, with Udo, you know, because he's kind of in that group of guys. Yeah. And so we bonded really quick, and then being able to work with Stallion was uh, was really, really big for me early on in my, my time in Minnesota. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, and speaking of the evolution of, like, the character traits and stuff, I think I was there the first show that you shaved the heart in. Ooh. Like, that's, like, that's the fun thing about wrestling is that, like, I I told this story on a different podcast, and I kind of realized as I was telling it that, like, every major thing about my character just kind of started off as a rib, and then, like, got over with the boys, and so I decided to try it, and it got over with the fans. Yeah. So it's just a ridiculous thing, but the heart uh, was when I went down to Dreamwave the first couple times, and they put me in a group called Seduce and Destroy. Okay. Which... Just by the name, obviously, fits my character pretty well. Yeah, pretty well. And another guy in the stable, his name is Bucky Collins. He's like a super underrated dude out in Illinois. Um, he had a diamond shaved into his chest. Okay. And I was like, I mean, that's cool, but like, I can't let this guy outshine me. I was like, next month I'm gonna come and I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come in guns a blaze, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show him what's up next month. Yeah. And then I went back with a heart shaved in my chest, and uh, people loved it. And <laughs> it's yeah. been... What did the diamond mean for I, him? I don't know. He's just weird. Like, okay. it's just <laughs> it's just a weird... Like, it's just a thing. But, like, it worked, you know? And yeah. and I shaved it off a few times, but... And, you know, I always grew it back for Wrestlepalooza. That was the big one. Yeah. I had to have it for Wrestlepalooza. Yeah. But uh, for the last couple of years, it's been a pretty regular thing. And then... I'll go to the gym or I'll go to a pool or something and I'll completely forget that on the weekends I prance around in my underwear and I'm a pro wrestler and I have a heart shaved in my chest and I feel really awkward in real life. So <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah. I can't imagine having that like at the pool. It's been, oh shit. Like everybody's WrestleMania weekend last year. You know, I went, I went down with, with Venom and Rob Page and, and Venom's girlfriend and we were all hanging out and I want to say it was uh, the Monday after Mania. We decided to spend the day in the pool, and we hung out. We went to the pool, and you know, got our stuff. And went to the pool, and I took my shirt off. And like, as I took my shirt off, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, this is a real thing that I have in my real life. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> but well, like, if you own it, it's a conversation starter. That's sure. For sure. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm used to people looking at me and being like, "It's whatever." So. It just that initial shock of realizing, like, oh, I forgot this was a real thing. Once you get over that, it's fine. But there's that moment of panic where, you're like, oh, I actually have a heart shaved in my chest. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. But. Uh. 
So much for that being a conversation yeah. starter, huh, guys? It, it was a conversation starter, but I wanted to. It was got it. That ended real quick. Yeah. yeah. Figure out what conversation to, where to go to next. Because um, yeah, it, it is funny to me. Like so many guys in this area, uh, it's like, all right, I'm gonna figure this thing up and figure this thing out and get it ready for Palooza, and make sure I've got it for. Palooza, that kind of stuff. So, well, there are some guys like that. Like, the thing that's cool, and like, you no, know, the the Russell Palooza booking committee is is very selective. Yes, with the with the local talent that they use. So, just the opportunity to be on those shows is such a. I don't want to suck their dick too hard and say it's an honor. <laughs> but like you know what I mean like it's cool yeah no well I mean it's by far like it's the coolest show in Minnesota the show like, in like, Minnesota and you know I, I can I can be honest about that yeah. I think I don't think anyone can take offense to that because no. it's well, pretty true and I'm also selling out first yeah. time twice a year I, I would say especially getting on it the first time it's a pretty big deal like I was trying to get on them for I don't even know how many. There was a, yeah, a like bunch. Two years, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, pretty much the whole time I've been wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and then I just got on my first one at the last one. So, you know, it was kind of like. How was that one? I wasn't there. <laughs> I I had fun. Cool. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I got to have a triple threat with Venom and Jake Parnell. Oh man, Parnell sucks. I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> he probably doesn't. <laughs> Good. We'll we'll tweet him just no one, to make sure. He no one no him. one tell Jake Parnell that I think he sucks. Right. That guy loves ghosts. Fucking <laughs> But yeah, I mean it's it's pretty awesome, and I know everybody like you know at other shows people talk about it all the time. Like every great once in a while, there'll be somebody be like, "Oh, how'd you get on there?" It's yeah, like, it's well, not it's not even like just here too. Like mm-hmm. everywhere I go, like. Everywhere, people are like, how do I get on Russell Palooza? Like, yeah. what do I do to get on Russell Palooza? Show up and help. And like, I don't even. There's nothing to even tell them at this point. Like, yeah. There's only so many spots, and mm-hmm. you know, it's <laughs> it's tough. But that you know, there's a reason why guys are like I need to get this ready for Palooza because that's it's that's it's like one. WrestleMania and SummerSlam of Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Twice a year, the big events and. Yep. You know, by far the biggest crowds. Nothing else comes even close to it. Yeah, not at all. I don't yeah. even think anything else could possibly come come close to it. Well, how many like heavy on draws pretty good crowds? Though, I would say less or... than half. Okay. Yeah, because I haven't. At been least up the there. ones I've been on. But like those are those seem like maybe like five hundreds. They're big, pr- they're probably they're probably yeah. the most comparable. Yeah, it's the most, it's yeah. it's yeah the closest, but it's still like. Um, yeah, the atmosphere isn't the same. There's, there's no yeah. way to replicate that first, that no. first avenue atmosphere. Yeah, it's so yeah. many things coming together. You know, it's downtown Minneapolis. It's First Ave. It's, you know, First Wrestling, which has been around for a long ass time. Yeah. And no, then, yeah, it, it's one of those weird indie shows that if you transplant it anywhere else, it doesn't feel the same. Like good I, and bad. Like I could buy that. I mean, they've they've done they've done other Palooza shows in yeah, like Des Moines, no, but like like it feels like it's. I think it's just first half. First half is a pretty yeah. special play. I mean, obviously, you know, with Prince and you know, it's probably the mo- one of the most iconic things in Minneapolis. 
if not the most iconic thing in Minneapolis. I mean, I don't even know what I don't even know what else would come close. Depending on what kind of scene you're into, the only other thing that I think would be that notable would maybe be Acme's Comedy Club if you're into stand up, but I don't even know. It'd be sweet if we can get like a ring on a flotation device and just have a show in Lake Minnetonka <laughs> and get purified yeah, in get the purified, waters man. Lake Minnetonka the, the purifying battle royal that would be great just throw people into the lake <laughs> uh, so Dustin how'd you end up meeting Cody oh man I don't even know how we met Was I, an, I probably was an asshole uh, I'm gonna guess that I was an asshole Battleground I think I think it was Pro Wrestling Battleground I was in the I got into the Oh yeah, disastrous... you fucked up your first spot in the rumble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. I was totally an asshole about it too. The spot I didn't want to do. Yeah. But some, somebody some idiot that does commentary suggested, Oh, why don't you make a big splash and Yeah and, and try Wait, and are, do we sh- your are we shooting on Rob Page right now? No. <laughs> oh, it was you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The guy who had done one show previously. Oh. Uh. I was like, no, this seems like a good idea. Yeah. Well, it would have been a good idea if you didn't fuck it up. That's true. Well, <laughs> was that fa- you and Drew? No, it was just me. Well, like who who was in the ring with you when you did it? Uh, Ty. Ty Cooper. Yeah. Oh God, I'm sorry. Um, he also wanted me to do it. He's like, "Oh, I'll take it. It'll be fine." I'm just all right. So you just got too nervous, man. It didn't go well. Um, the ropes were. I was. I had only really wrestled in Terry Fox's ring at that point. So yeah. Um, I got into the habit specifically after that moment of every time I get to a show practicing a springboard in the ring where now I don't have to do that, obviously. But Yeah, now people just think you're showing off when you do it. Ooh, look at this I don't think people think I'm showing I literally show. jump off the rope and yeah. land on my feet and look go, okay, guy. I'm good. Yeah. Springboards, huh? But well, uh, he is the only one who springboards in this area. I think I also locked a headlock on somebody and he, Cody walked up to me grabbed me he was like no headlocks in the battle royal what are you doing I don't remember that but that's true don't do that that was like my yeah. third I think like my third or fourth time just being in the ring in front of people and a battle royal when it's not when the whole thing's not like you're kind of just left to do whatever you want yeah if you're and new you're, and you don't have that structure you kind of don't know what to do yeah, yeah. and that was sure. very uh, eye opening still don't know what to do in a battle I'll crawl under the ring or something the you last- usually do. I didn't want to do it. Like, it terrifies me because, like, you know, wrestling rings in Minnesota aren't the most sturdy things in the world. Oh, no. my God. So after like, <laughs> What happens if I'm under the ring and it just collapses? There's, like, a bunch of people in there. Yeah. It terrifies me. Yeah, that's... But, like, it's also cool and makes people laugh, so whatever. Mm. Yeah, and it was... It's, it's a good thing to differentiate yourself from everybody else that's just throwing forearms. Well, like, I like to do the deal where I'll, like, you know, collapse and just grab the bottom rope, but then everyone started doing that, and I had to find something else, so. Yeah. I think I think at the last one at Battleground, I, like, just sat out in the crowd for a while. Yeah, you did, which was down. great, because, mm-hmm. like, I, I constantly kept cutting to you. Well, that's because, like, <laughs> you know, what's his name? Chaos 300 or whatever was in the ring. Yeah. And he was getting his stupid body paint all over everyone. I didn't want anything to do with that. Yeah. First of all, yeah, he's getting body paint on him, and he was beating him up. Yeah. Yeah, you get enough oil on everybody else that... Look, man, that's that's a whole other thing. I think I had black on my arm for, like, four days after that. Yeah, I saw a bunch of Academy kids. Their gear was covered in black stuff. Yeah. It's like, forget that. My gear's expensive, dog. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I just spent most of the time standing in the corner watching other people fight. 
at the last one. Good job. And then I won. <laughs> oh, man. Cool. <laughs> oh. Dustin, I won a wrestling match. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> he wonders why I give him shit. Yeah. Well, most of the time, like in moments like that, he deserves it. I, well, I, you yes. know, you come a long way where you fuck up the one the one and only time you fuck up a springboard. Yeah. God, that sucked. That sucks so much ass. I was like, I'm never coming back here again. You're probably the only person to ever screw up a spot ever. If it makes you feel any better, <laughs> I took a really shitty reverse round this weekend at CCW. So. Did you? Yeah. So, okay. We had eight dudes in the match. They added to our match, like I said. Eight dudes. Not a lot of time for eight dudes to wrestle. And, uh, you know, we had to had to kind of keep it short and snappy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, everyone does their coolest stuff and tries to get over in their eight, you know, our, our ten minutes that we have. And, uh, you know, one guy's deal is he runs his little comeback, throws a guy on my shoulders, and then pushes him off my back, and I take a reverse runner. Did not go well. Did like everything I did was cool. All my offense was cool because I'm cool. Mm-hmm. But then this guy's offense made me look like shit. No, it wasn't. It wasn't his fault. It just it just didn't click and it didn't work and it, it was a bummer. And I get in the back and Ricky Shane Page is like, "Man, I've seen you take that reverse Rana perfect so many times. Yeah. What happened?" And it really bummed me out because everything else was cool. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think you're actually the oddly enough, you might actually be the first person I've seen live take a reverse Rana. And I've seen it so many times at this point. My favorite thing is when people come up to me and we're calling matches and they're like, hey, I heard you like to take reverse Ranas. Like, it's... that That's what happened this weekend. It was Shane Sabre who I did a scramble match with at at Freelance. Okay. And in that match, I had... I, I've... There's multiple people that I have had to talk into giving me a reverse Hurricane Rana. Yeah. Like, either they've never done it before or they're like, well, I don't know if this fat motherfucker can take a reverse Rana but I've had to be like, hey, it's cool. I want to take a reverse Rana. So Shane Saber walks up to me. He's like, hey, I know you like to take reverse Ranas, so here's the spot. Okay. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Just didn't work out as planned. Yeah, because I've seen, like, every time you wrestle Cruz, Cruz seems to, like, be giddy of, like, ooh, so where are we fitting in that reverse Rana? Yeah, because, and he was one of those guys, like, the first time I did it, I was like, I think I can do this. He was yeah. the first guy I did it with. Okay. And, you know, then... You know, Space Monkey, I talked Space Monkey into it by having Cruz tell him that I could do it. Yeah. And so now every time I wrestle Space Monkey, I try and talk him into it, but he's kind of over it. No. <laughs> he's like, maybe maybe just tail whip. I'm like, come on, Monkey. It's always that thing, though, like, an entire match could go perfectly, you could do crazy-ass shit, uh, but one little thing goes wrong. It's okay, man. They fucked up the finish afterwards, so that everyone remembered that instead. My stuff is still fine. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. How'd they fuck up the finish? Um, a guy took a, took a power bomb, and I think he got concussed, and uh, he just forgot to kick out. Oh, okay. He was supposed to, and the ref didn't count. And it was a whole big thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I wasn't involved in it at all, though, so hopefully no. it didn't reflect poorly on me. No, no, it wouldn't have. Yeah, it was weird at one of the last shows. I was actually slightly proud of one of the referees, which is, you know, shocking in this area when Rob's not in the ring. Was it, was it, Clark? Was it Clark Feldman? No, no, he was gone. It was it was actually Jackson 
which oh, I was going to say I better know which one it isn't. Don't but, say anything yeah. about him. Yeah, no. Um, but it was two of the. No, nah, we got to cut the story off, man. If I'm on your podcast, you can't put him over. <laughs> no. but Sorry, was, Jackson. Yeah, but it was it was two of the the academy kids. You're still putting them over. It was. I'm more, I wasn't ba- I'm more burying the academy kids. No, no, no! Don't do that. I like the academy kids. Uh, it was mostly they were too close to the ropes. Sure. And because they were in the ropes, he cut it off at two. Nice. Even though it was supposed to be the finish, because yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't know what to do. It was like, oh crap! Uh, we'll snap mirror, do the spot again in the middle of the ring. It's like, okay, ring positioning, man. Yep. But know where you're at. I mean, if if you hit your finish and the guy's in the ropes, all you got to do is drag him out. Yeah. Yeah. So I drag people around all the time because sometimes it's like a move is supposed to go into like the swanton or something, and they're like nowhere. I mean, I, I try and drag people, but I'm usually like super blown up, so I have a really hard time moving people. They work with you though. No, it's it's tough, man. <laughs> That way, now you just throw them in the corner and just be like, "All right, you're gonna be down there for a while." I don't do that. It's hard pulling people like the butter roll. People like take the butter roll and they don't want to move out of the corner. Yeah, it's like, come on. It's when I when I get someone who's good and I can pull them out of the corner. That's at the end of the match. I find out who can work and who can't. Yeah, I think I usually stay in the corner. Yeah, you suck. It's part of the cell, man. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I actually like ha- like taking photos of your guys' matches against each other the times you've had them. So I feel like I'm good at looking completely dead after that move. So <laughs> I didn't even hit you with it last time. I, I I've taken it, I think twice. That's it. Yeah, two maybe three times. I can't it's, remember it's the third. Easy. I know we did it at Roseville and we did it at Heavy on. Yeah, Roseville. Well, you you uh, attacked. Oh me. yeah, yeah. When I beat you up after the match. Yeah. Yeah. And then did we did we did we do it? I don't think we did it at that. No, because I did it to Butterman. Yeah, yeah, because he screwed me over at that fucking bowling alley or whatever that, that was. A sweet was. show. Well, it was actually a fun show this summer. I sold the t-shirt. That's cool. Which t-shirt did you sell? Uh, my bigger is better one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good shirt. Some guy was giving me shit before the match or before the show. He's like, "Oh, like so you're the champ, huh?" I was like, "Yeah," and he's like. You, don't you mean the lightweight champ? Yeah, because you're skinny, man. Well, it's because I was small. Well, you are. I don't remember who the guy was, but... He must not remember your nickname. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know who the fuck I was, so... Yeah. What a jerk. I know. I wouldn't expect him to. Some drunk guy at that show tried to steal the belt away from me. <laughs> he was, like, trying... like. I was standing in the ring and he was reaching through the ropes, tugging on the belt like uh, Butterman's dad and somebody else had to like come shut that shit down. So why didn't you shut it down? You're the champion, man. I was in the ring doing something. Just punch him. <laughs> no, they got to him really fast. He won't so. keep grabbing at the belt if you just punch him. Yeah. Some of these drunk guys get real mad when the heel wins. Yeah, sometimes. Fucking. Sometimes it's like, oh, are we going to have to throw down? Like, I've had people. F- like straight up follow me back to the curtain at Forest Lake. Some guy was like following me and like, fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. The worst thing I ever heard on my way back from the ring was after my first match. My dad was right by the, by the <laughs> right by the entrance and I'm walking back to the curtain and he goes, he goes, ah, why are you such a pussy? He's like, I beat you worse than that. Holy shit. That was my first match when my dad said to me, it's fucking... Good Lord. 
that's, yeah, I wasn't expecting to hear that. It was, really, it was, it was very funny because my, <laughs> like, my dad has never hit me like ever. Yeah, but it was, it was very funny and <laughs> a very, mo- um, like, a much needed moment of levity after my first match where I was kind of like, "What just happened?" No oh, way. So it was cool. Nice. Uh, fucking. What do you keep looking at me for? <laughs> fucking. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Well, I blank. I blanked on the next question I was going to ask. So I was like, "Ah, oh, shit." You usually have the questions. I know. I'm usually so prepared. I know. And yeah. I guess just Cody. I don't need to be prepared. Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew a basic outline. I literally found out like an hour ago, maybe <laughs> that you were that you were on your way. I what, totally maybe forgot. Maybe a little bit more. <laughs> I forgot until this afternoon when Kyle messaged me. Uh, Kyle's like, Cody's coming at 8. I'm like, oh, I didn't know we were recording today. <laughs> well, I was, you know... We I had to talk had about a, the combat zone. Yeah, well, yeah. We had to talk about CZW mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. And how was the rest of the show? Because, like, the stuff online like that I saw, like, highlights of the show, like, some of it looked really cool. Some of it was, like... Eh. Okay, but again, it's CZW's not completely in my wheelhouse. So sure, either. So, uh, like being at the show was super cool. Uh, I had a great time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly well traveled, so I, I've yeah. met at least most of these guys before. Yeah. Um, so I didn't completely like. I felt pretty uncomfortable at first because I was like one of the first dudes there. Okay. Like outside of like the CZW dudes. Um. But once guys started to come in, like, you know, like I know Ethan Page, yeah, and you know I know, you know Jimmy Lloyd, and I know uh, David Starr. Like I know a bunch of guys from being on shows with them, and yeah. I'm pretty friendly with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So once people started coming in, and there were more people that I knew, I felt pretty comfortable. And the people that I didn't know were pretty cool. Um, MJF and and Joey Janela did a ridiculous balcony bump. I, I was wondering who, like, it was so small, I was wondering who the hell that was in that match. And, but, uh, like, that makes a lot of sense now that it was, of course it was Joey. It was cool, so I got to talk to them, and now we're all Balcony Brothers, because we're all bumping off balconies. Yep. And, uh, the only difference is, like, they did it on a show people actually see, <laughs> and, like, I did it on some, like, little shit show that no one will ever see. <laughs> the only reason the video ever got out there was because I posted it. Yep. Uh, Sometimes that's what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. But, like... It was cool to see that happen, um, and like that match was was crazy. Like MJF is so good for a dude who's only been in two years. Yeah, like and he keeps being a name that like pops he's up, ridiculously like, good. And Joey yeah. Janela is a fucking lunatic. Yep, and such a ridiculous visionary. Like he's so different from anyone else in the Indies. And the way he works and the way he presents himself and yeah. everything he does, it's so cool. No, the fact that a like, huge fan of Joey. it's so weird, like thinking back to this past WrestleMania weekend, like his you, show had like the most buzz of any was, show yep, that happened. It was like, and it was like the most ridiculous thing. It was like him and Marty Jannetty. He, what it was like Matt Riddle versus Dan Severin. <laughs> Because yeah. why the fuck not? Yeah, no shit. Glacier in the clusterfuck <laughs> yep. match. That was literally called the clusterfuck. That it was in, in the advertisements. Yeah, it was literally it was, called yeah. the Joey book too many people. Here's a clusterfuck. Yeah, it was so ridiculous, <laughs> but was it was amazing. Great. Yeah, it was so good. And 
you know, he's such a genius in everything that he does. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, that match was real cool. Uh, there was a real fun, like, four-way spot fest for the tag belts. That was cool. Okay. Um, you know, OVE was in it, and those guys are fucking crazy. They're so good. Yeah. Um, you know, Ace Romero and Greg Excellent, two big dudes, like, doing crazy stuff, just beating the shit out of each other. That was cool. Yeah. Um, but, like, the real heavy stuff at the end of the night, man, that triple threat cage death match for real. Like, for three dudes... Shane Strickland, Joe Gacy, and Ricky Shane Page. Yeah. So Ricky Shane Page is a deathmatch guy through and through, and I love Ricky. And everyone knows he's going to bring it in the cage of death. Yeah. But Joe Gacy's not a deathmatch guy. Shane Strickland's not a deathmatch guy. Yeah. So how crazy are those guys going to get? Yep. And those three fucking tore it up in the cage of death. Yeah. I, like... Shane Strickland took so many fucking crazy bumps. Joe Gacy was fucking insane. That match blew my mind. Yeah. There was so much, so much glass, so much barbed wire, just so intense. Yeah, I saw the little video of the spot off the cage through the glass. Yeah, so there was, there was like a deal, like a scaffold on top of the cage, and Shane Strickland gave Ricky like a Russian leg sweep threw a pane of glass onto a barbed wire board off the cage into the cage like so ridiculous yeah well and how i saw that tweet was it was jimmy havoc tweeted that video with with just the caption fuck that and it's (laughs) like that's coming from jimmy havoc and that was something i forgot too jimmy jimmy havoc and jimmy jacobs was was great yeah and and jimmy jacobs going full zombie princess yep like comes out with a horde of zombies and they carry him around the ring to goodbye horses and he's wearing a fucking dress and full zombie makeup it was so great yeah it was so good yeah that's the whole show weirdly enough was apparently designed by stephen king and his wife yeah the um, dress was from what i understand actually uh king and jimmy are actually really good friends uh from uh king's time in chikara Oh, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So they are, they're pretty good friends and they're both pretty creative, you know, out there guys. So I can definitely see yeah, them having that, a, yeah, it makes sense. having a nice little kinship over that. I can see where their creativity would have very parallel lines. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think King's wife even made her, the gear that he wore at the show here on Thursday. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, because that was segueing perfectly. Thank you, like Dustin. You also had a show Thursday. Yeah, I did. We, we talked about that a little bit. Yep, first wrestling was at the VFW in Uptown, and I was also in a scramble match, but this one was only six people. Yeah, and it started not on time ish. No, it started on time, but just the I'm first, at the match yeah the first match wasn't on time yeah what happened with the, the music mix you here why did your music play for like four hours before you came out none of us knew that we were on yeah it's one of those little we didn't, didn't know that the sh- that it was uh, starting up and that's not something that was just on me because it was literally all six of us were just kind of like oh it's time to go yeah yeah that's it's one of those little kinks to work out first time at a venue it was like oh it wasn't first time it was for that, first wrestling well, but yeah. I've been there for prime time but the thing was, big time Scott story. You just can't hear your music where we were at. Okay. Where if you're at any other show, even if you're not ready for it, 
like at Chanhassen or something. Well, even there you can't hear it, but um, at most shows, if you're you're you know in your own world, all of a sudden your music hits, you can fucking sprint and get there, yeah. and nobody would even know that you weren't ready for it. You know, it's but, like what happened to you? Like that's like my worst fear. Yeah, is like uh, like having that happen and like you m- having your music play and not being there to go out it's like my biggest fear like, mm-hmm. like just not being ready mm-hmm. like blows my mind yeah no it's and crazy. like cause cause I'd missed the last Palooza for a friend's wedding mm-hmm. so it was the first time I'd seen you come out to that music oh really so yeah I, I, had, I had no idea yeah, I didn't know was. cause I know like you like to like everybody does wait for a specific beat to come out yeah and it's like Where's where's the fucking beat gonna be when he comes out and it's like, oh, it's gone on way too long. Yeah. Shit. Well, they then they I was told it got through the entirety of my song and like and they played cruises. Yeah. Yeah, And then they played cruises, which funny enough is also the theme song to uh, Shane and my other roommate Carl's uh, fantasy football podcast. Because it's, it's called the Fantasy Hangover, sure. so it's like, what the fuck? Why are these two songs back to back? What's happening right now? Yeah, um, and then yeah, you see people sprinting around like trying to get you guys, and it's like, okay, all right, that, yeah, it sense, it got it, it got figured out. Um, the eventually you guys came out and had a match. So, yeah, the yeah. first wrestling brass wasn't too upset at us. Yeah, that's so. Good. Must be nice. Uh, it was. It was just like, yeah. It was one of those things where, you know, we we're just in a spot where we can't hear it, and also the kitchen, the cooks and stuff had their own music playing. So, so yeah, that kind of over right. Like, it is. Yeah. It is what it is. We went yeah. out there and we we had a match, and it yeah, was fun. It was a fun match. Uh, I got uh, as you know doing photography and the gifs and stuff uh, and little videos uh, Jimmy Jacobs actually retweeted the crazy spot he did mm. during that match. Yeah I saw you getting some ridiculous numbers on that tweet. Yeah well and it <laughs> probably helps that like the first three like comments were from Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks and Seth Rollins. Yeah that like, helps that's, a little bit that's weird that was just weird like getting those notifications that's very cool like I'm, I'm assuming it was kind of the same when you tweeted that was the CZW thing it's like whoa who's all talking about this this is yeah. weird like, that had to be more than just Minnesota guys at, at to the heights that you're oh for sure like I definitely got some really cool retweets and like um, some cool mentions and, and some likes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it was cool when guys like like Jimmy Lloyd and Matt Tremont and stuff, guys who are with the company, Ricky Shane Page, who's the CCW champion, like putting that over for me and 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 trying to help me get that spot. Like that's yeah, that's got to go a really long way, you know. Because like I said, it was it was an honest thing, and I think a lot of people really felt that and respected it. And that story isn't it isn't isn't just mine. You know, there's a lot of guys in CCW who who grew up watching that product and wanting to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, they, they related to that. So it was cool to, to have that opportunity. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine like, yeah, I'm happy for you. That's, uh, that was pretty exciting. I was, uh, I, I sent him some texts the night of, I think. Yeah. I was a little inebriated. 
<laughs> Weird. On a Saturday <laughs> night? I would have never guessed that you would be inebriated. <laughs> on a Saturday? No. Yeah, weird. Doesn't doesn't sound like you at all, man. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, I wasn't uh, having to wrestle the next day, so yeah, that's good. Like other times, I've went a little too far. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> a little bit too far. A little too far. Yeah. Um, when my opponent's doing an entrance and I, my mouth's salivating like I'm going to throw up, I have, I'm like, just like, oh, I got a decision to make here. I mean, <laughs> I ended we, up being we, fine. We've all been there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. That's one of the things that is my biggest fear is to just like throw up or I don't know why. I've come close a few, I, a few times. I've had like food poisoning and almost shit my pants or barfed. Literally the first time I wrestled Venom. And the first, he speared me, and I literally thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was bad. I've had matches where I felt so bad. As soon as the match ended, I like got up, walked through the curtain, and right to the bathroom, and just blah, like didn't I? I barely even made it to the bathroom. I don't or, know like, what I've ever to, done that. to the toilet. It's been, it's happened more than once. I don't know why. It was early on. I think a lot of it was nerves. Nerves plus if I, you know, if you eat something bad. You just get too blown up. When your anxiety goes crazy, it fucks with your endurance. Is something that I learned where, like, how I wrestle now, where I'll still get a little bit of butterflies, but it's nowhere close. Like, it's... I was going to kind of touch on it when we were talking about, like, that Battle Royal, where, like, I just had the deer in the headlights look, and I didn't know what to do. So I just, like, grabbed a dude and started... You know, I grabbed his head because I literally had no idea what to do. To, like, now, where I don't get super anxious all day... Like oh dude like I still get super anxious for like every show. I mean like I, still I, I used get to not so nervous. I used to not everything. even eat. I mean like not like at that. All. I but and like, then that makes it worse. I get like crazy nervous though for like I every show. It starts setting in when I'm there. Like when I'm in the ring and I'm talking to the guy that like a lot of it it's like when before you start talking to whoever you're going to wrestle and trying to figure out what you're going to do it's like this could be the worst match of my life or not you know you never really fucking know this could be the worst match of my life i never thought that <laughs> i think I, i've I been know. in there a few times and just went hmm i mean i've had some bad ones but i never thought that going into a match i i think i have a hard one to beat so uh, Wait, what's, what's, your, what's your worst match i would say 100 percent because it was on me it was probably my second match in prime time when i worked stallion and i kicked myself out of energy and uh, I could barely move for anything. It's like every match of mine. <laughs> this was real bad. Like, it was probably, I, I think, hands down, my worst performance ever. Granted, it was like my fifth or sixth match. It couldn't, it couldn't, like, it can't be any worse than the match Rock Solid Ross had with uh, with GA at one of the uh, the primetime shows at Calhoun Square. Was that the one where GA chopped him 30 times? Yeah, GA beat the shit out of him. <laughs> That was all, and this like it's like before the show, like oh my he's like writing down spots. He's like he's writing it down in his notebook. He's gonna remember the whole match and just instantly fucked it up. And GA just beat the shit out of him. See, that's the problem with writing your stuff down is that if one thing gets like left out, you know. But it was like right away, like he didn't like get through the opening spot. <laughs> he's like, nope. <laughs> that was it. Oh man, see, I've never. Yeah, there's things like that that make me feel better about the things, yeah. <laughs> the mistakes I, I've made in the I, ring. <laughs> I had some real bad matches at Kelvin Square, though. That summer was not not kind to me at all. I don't do well in the heat. 
I had I, I had one honest. decent match with with Drew, but then like I had a match with Executioner that was terrible. I had a match Weird. with Tyler Colton that was awful. Mm-hmm. Like it was just not good. But then the last show of the summer was me and Frog versus Zero G versus Body Beautiful in a triple threat tag match and that, it was it was surprisingly good that sounds ridiculous yeah it was surprisingly good it sounds like a whole lot of like what the fuck is gonna like oh absolutely. what could even happen it's yeah. like that's just a weird mesh weird of, dynamic because i oh yeah and that would have been frog before super thunder frog yeah i think you i think so you're still, still farmer frog at farmer that point frog, yeah. yeah i was actually farmer frog's first match back in minnesota oh really yeah at an mew show for wheels Nice. It was a good time. We had a, it was okay. Something special. Thought it was fun. You you know who we're talking about, and that's probably why I never met him. Huh? Oh, really? Huh. He was he was a good guy. As much like he ran some really bad wrestling shows, but he was a really nice guy. Yeah, so. that's that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah, I never been to one of those shows, and I never I just never had a chance to talk to him. I guess I don't know. What can he do? But. Um, but yeah, so obviously we're recording on a Monday night, so we can't get into really any news There's too much. But uh, Cody, what's uh, some plugs and like your upcoming events? Um, you know, I guess you can find me on the internet at Cody Rice thirteen. That's on uh, on the Twitter and on the Instagram. Um, I always post my upcoming schedule there. As of right now, uh, this weekend, the sixteenth, uh, I will be at uh, I will be at IWA Mid South uh, for Jimmy Jacobs seminar, as well as their uh, their winter tryout show. Um, after that, we have the January sixth, Russellpalooza, First Avenue. Uh, that will sell out pretty quick. So if you're if you're local here in the Minnesota area, don't hesitate to get your tickets. Yeah, get your tickets. To that There's always is- people that. As wait till the people last just day. don't get it they don't realize mm-hmm. yeah um you know and then after the you know, pro wrestling battleground on the 13th their uh, their anniversary show um first title defense for the first ever two-time tag team championships myself and giant griffin yeah you get to keep selling those the champs are here those are all griffins man he made those himself but it was cool he gave me some money for him and i'm like dude i didn't do anything <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just put my face on these yeah royalty but it was nice yeah uh he licensed your face, so he's yes. got to pay for it. We're wrestling Riley Jackson and a beyond average JDX, I believe. Yeah, I think that's the... I'm just doing commentary for it. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, and then uh, January 19th, I'm wrestling for uh, for the illustrious Dark Child in uh, MFW. Uh, hmm. Because he wanted me to wrestle Sabu, so... Hey, at least you get to uh, wrestle I'm, Sabu. I'm, I'm Sabu, to wrestle, huh? I'm going to wrestle Sabu, yeah. That's hell yeah. Awesome. I don't think that's that's been announced yet, but I'll it has it. been now. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I asked him on Facebook in a very public post if I could still wrestle Sabu, and he was mad at me. So, <laughs> uh, well, so the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, anyway. I'm wrestling Sabu on January 19th, and if I'm not, I'm going to go home and not wrestle. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what I got coming up. Yeah, and what about you? Well, I'm on. I got we got Russell Palooza in Battleground for me also, and then uh, so at the anniversary show I'll be also in a title match, Ooh. not defending. Uh, I will be uh, having a shot at Super Thunder Frogs Battleground Pro Wrestling Battleground Championship, which as of today has actually been updated to a triple threat with Venom. He is yeah. cashing in his rematch clause, 
And uh, yeah, we're going to have a triple threat at the anniversary show. And then after that, on January 20th, I got MIW at Chanhassen. So, where I'll be defending my MIW Heavyweight Championship. So, yeah. Just got champions all around. Well, yeah. I had two other championships, but I, I gave them up. Yeah, that's true. I was there. My, my my CZW duty has precluded me from wrestling for fully loaded wrestling somehow. Actually, I just quit. So, yeah. Uh, and then you can find me at Knocked Out Films on Instagram and Twitter and knockedoutentertainment.com. Oh, yeah, at the Scott Story on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter also. And oh, you both have pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. Tees. Pro wrestling. Oh, yeah, pro wrestling tees.com backslash Cody Rice. And if you want a Scott Story shirt, don't buy one. Go to my site instead. No, fuck you. Backslash home. Scott Story for me. There's a sweet ass Jason shirt still up there, so get those. Don't shake your head at the Jason shirt. That's fucking awesome. It's cool. Go buy his Jason shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the holiday season. Also buy a Cody Wright shirt. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Buy one if you want. If you don't, you don't. That's cool too. Spend your money on what you enjoy. There you go. All right. Thanks. Thank you.